I don't know if you guys noticed, but see, I'm not wearing the t-shirt. So when I flex, the mic stays still. I know. The, 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 huge, the hugeness of my manliness scares many of you, but... I knew that it would make you guys laugh, apparently. Hey, if you are new here this morning uh, and you didn't bring a Bible, there are Bibles in the back. If you don't own one, you can have one. Take it home with you. Uh, if you need to borrow one, you just borrow one. There are sermon notes on all the communion tables. You can grab some. I, I tend to talk pretty fast, so grab one of those. And uh, my name is Aaron. I am one of the uh, elders at Element. So, hi. How you doing? Thank you. All right. So, it's like i got to get it out of the way, then I get going. All right. Uh, again, baptisms are next week. You are all invited to come. We'd like all of you to be there. There'll be maps next week uh, on all the communion tables as well. You can grab a map, come out, bring a dessert or some chips uh, to share with other people, and then bring something to drink as well. Uh, baptisms are all about community and getting together for like a big party so we can celebrate with the people getting baptized. I think we are actually serving a tri-tip. Ooh, wow. Ooh. You guys are so vocal in first service. That's amazing. It's kind of, the other services, I say that, and they're like, and you guys are all, you guys make noise. It's like, you should all be like a TV sitcom audience is what you should be. <laughs> so, but what we need, uh, we, we, we want to do tri-tip sandwiches, so we need a meat slicer. So if anybody happens to have a meat slicer, Okay, talk to Britt right there just so he knows so you can get her in touch with uh, Jessica. She's, she's not here. They used to slice up kids in the band room, apparently. And now you can use it to slice a... There you go. Woo! Isn't that amazing? Um, I, I need like an Audi R8. <laughs> yeah, okay, whatever. All right, why don't you guys stay on the arena of God's Word? <laughs> Hey, we're also going to have snow cones next week. James volunteered to make snow cones, too. Yes, you did. It's Stephanie. You said, I'll make snow cones. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Galatians 4, verse 6, and it says, Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we, as your children, cry out to you as our Father. We ask that you would teach us. We ask that you would lead us into the places we need to go to be the people we need to be so you get glory and then we live in joy. Amen. Have a seat. So if you have a Bible, you can open to Ephesians chapter 6. It's the last chapter in Ephesians. Woo! So we're there. We're going to spend five weeks in that, so yay. Good for you. And now today we're going to talk about dads. And I know there's a lot of you in this room that are not Dads, but I got to go where scripture goes, and I hope you don't feel like this is a waste of time for you because it's not. Uh, it's not. I told you Ephesians goes very, very practical in the last three chapters. The first three are all theology, the last three are all practical living. So each week so far, we've been talking about some very practical stuff. Today, I'm going to start pretty serious, and then we'll have some fun at the end. Uh, today's message, as I said, is for dads, but I think it does apply to everyone. How many in this room are dads? Okay, and then how many of you hope to be a dad someday if you're not a dad now? Okay, there you go. So it applies to most of you, and I think it applies to women too, because most women who get their lives ruined get them ruined by men. Yeah. So, 
So what we tell the men is very important. It's very important. Uh, this text, again, is all about dads. Uh, we're not against women. I married one. She's very soft. I really like that. She's much softer than me. And we're not against single moms. Even if I don't talk about you this morning, you should be very thankful for that, by the way. Uh, I believe that there are negative effects that come upon children who do not have a father. And again, that's not a, a knock on single moms. It's a knock on dads who abandon their children. Statistically, I think in our country that most of our problems can boil down to two things. It is our disconnect from our heavenly fathers and our disconnect from our earthly fathers. Statistically speaking, a 20 to 44-year-olds today are having less children, but our cohabitation rate is up 200% in the last 20 years. But again, nobody's having kids. So everybody's, you know, uh, everybody's having sex, nobody's getting married, there's not a whole lot of kids, and all these become separated issues. But in Scripture, one wasn't done without the other. Marriage, sex, and children all went together. In Scripture, they're all connected. Uh, today, one-third of all conceptions are aborted. And within the next few years, studies have shown that one, up to one-third of all birth certificates handed out will not even have a father listed. So where it says, Dad, it's just going to be blank. Mom's got to be there, obviously. You know, <laughs> That would be weird if it wasn't, but Dad is going to be blank. Uh, today, 24 million children live absent of their biological fathers. So 4 out of 10, 40% of kids grow up without a dad in the home. Children from fatherless homes represent 71% of pregnant teenagers. 71%. Because, once again, if they don't have a father, they're more likely to engage in intercourse with the outcome being pregnancy, and that cycle just starts all over again. Also, children from fatherless homes represent 90% of all homeless and runaway children, 63% of youth suicides, 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers, 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions, 85% of all youth sitting in prisons, 85% of all children that exhibit behavioral disorders, 71% of all high school dropouts, and that's according to government statistical data. It's staggering, right? This is why I think Scripture talks all about dads. 60% of moms today work outside of the home. It's usually because a man many times will walk away and the mom has to provide and then raise their children. In our day, we have constructed an entire social system and service net to catch kids who fall through these cracks to make up for the lack of fathers. And I believe one of the best or special places is, is a church because in church you get to talk to young men and give them truth and biblical wisdom so that one day they can love their wives and love their kids and hopefully break this cycle that's in our culture. Uh, if a dad does not do his job, the entire social structure tries to compensate and it fails. It does not do it very well. And so, gentlemen, I will tell you being a good dad is irreplaceable. It is irreplaceable. And so, men, you must view children and women in very high regard. Because this is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. We're going to read it, and then we'll talk about it. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So he quotes the Ten Commandments. This is Exodus 20, 12, and Deuteronomy 5, 16. And it says, he says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So I'll first talk to kids a little bit. If you are a child here this morning... Uh, you are supposed to honor your parents. The word honor actually relates to the word glory. It means you give weight to the things that your parents say. You respect them. You honor them. 
uh, many times you may think that your parents are the dumbest people on the planet because when I was a teenager I thought the same thing Then you get a little bit older and you realize oh they've actually been through some stuff they've been through most of the stuff that you are going to go through so it's good to listen to them and Paul has expectations for children and children will rise to the level of expectation and if there is no expectation they will go to the lowest common expectation they can find some parents don't think that their kids can obey and it completely shows <laughs> you know, but they can and kids can honor their mom and dad And Paul says the expectation here is that the parents are in the Lord. They are believers. They are walking with God. And why do you want your kids to obey you and go through the hard stuff? And why do you discipline and do all these hard things with them? So that your kids will live long life and live well. That's the goal. That's what Paul says. Remember, wisdom and knowledge, what's the goal? Work back from there. That's where it goes. Most parents want their kids to live long and enjoy life. If a child is not disciplined or raised correctly, they will gravitate more towards sin, and sin leads to death, and death can hamper your quality of life. Right? Okay. Uh, Sex, drugs, booze. Your theology is actually going to determine how you parent. When parents come into my office and they have a lot of problems with their kids, I always talk about boundaries. Do you have boundaries for your kids? And everybody's like, what's boundaries? Boundaries are when you say no, your no means no. Like you tell your kid, you know, don't touch that communion table. And they walk over and the first thing they'll do is go. And they look at you because they're testing your boundary. They want to see if your boundaries really, and if you don't do anything about it, and the kid's like, oh, well, that's not really a boundary you know maybe when they say no it doesn't really mean no so the next time you say no they go and they do it to test up your boundaries there and many parents have no boundaries they say no but they don't actually let their yes be yes and their no be no and their kids go farther and farther and farther and sometimes these kids get involved with the law because the law is a fixed boundary they'll run up against it boom well that boundary doesn't move and they run right up against that as a parent you have to let your yes be yes and your no be no so i'm always talking about boundaries with with parents Parenting today has been handed over to people who are not very astute theologically. Many of them don't believe in Scripture, don't believe in God, and your view of human nature is going to boil over into how you parent your kids. Most parenting systems today believe children are born morally good or morally neutral. And you are told you let your kids do whatever they want to do to grow into who they're going to be. And then you get well-adjusted axe murderers because they're very happy doing what they want to do. That's what happens. If a child goes with their natural tendencies, they will become deadly. And parents who support that are crazy. Uh, My wife taught junior high for 15 years. 15 years, okay? Uh, There were times parents would come into her her office when she caught a a kid cheating, and she'd be like, I'm going to talk to your parents. So the parents would come in, and the parents would get mad at her. Like, what are you doing? You know, catching me. You just want to catch my kid cheating. Yeah, like my wife has nothing better for her afternoon than to sit down and let a parent yell at her because she caught their kid cheating. That's what I really want to do with my life. How wonderful is that? And it's amazing how many parents will lie for their kids. Knowing, this is, I'll tell you, if I ever had teenagers, they would get away with nothing. They'd be like, I didn't do that. Yes, you did. You know, I did. Oh, yeah, I just, I wouldn't believe anybody. I think, because I know what I was like when, when I was a teenager. You know? <laughs> Kids given to their own desires, they'll become destructive and self-destructive. Scripture teaches that we are born with an inherent proclivity towards sin. And so when you see a baby throw a fit, most little kids, they would kill you if they could. Like, I want cookies! You know, it's like they would kill, they would kill you if they could. And so what they, what they, don't, they, they don't lack will, they lack opportunity because they're too small. And, See, there you go. You have kids, you know. Okay. 
if you watch kids, you don't have to teach them how to sin. You know, two years old, it's like, no one mind. That's their favorite words. Kids just do it naturally. They, wa- they lie. They whack each other with things. They're selfish. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, our hearts are deceitful. Yes, and little kids' hearts are deceitful too. They have a natural tendency to sin. Now, our goal is not to have good or morally compliant children. Our goal is to have redeemed hearts. We need redeemed hearts, kids who love Jesus. And obedience will come out of a redeemed heart. A wise parent will instruct their kids to love them and God so they can live long and they can live well. That is the goal. So you have expectations. Now, this duty falls primarily, Paul says, upon the fathers. And so what I tell you is unusual for our day, and especially unusual even in churches, that dads are the primary way that your kids will learn about who God is. How they view God much comes out of how they view their dads. In the church, you'll think, oh, it's a children's minister's job, or they get a little older, oh, it's a youth minister's job to teach my kid about Jesus. No, it is not somebody else's responsibility to raise your kids. We get your kids one to three hours a week. Uh, You have them all the rest of the time. Who's got the bigger influence? You do. You do. So Paul has strong words for dad. The first one's negative. The second one's positive. Verse 4, he says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. He says, Dads, don't always frustrate your kids. Some dads are absent, and that's frustrating to children. Some dads are present, but they ignore them. That exasperate their kids. Some dads are lazy. Some are selfish. Some are abusive. Some are bullies. Some yell all the time. Some use discipline as a punitive measure to crush and punish. That exasperates children. The point of discipline, and you should discipline your kids, but the point of discipline is to always lead your kids back to God. Some dads mock kids. Some, some dads belittle their kids and, and make fun of them and call them names. Even when it's just in fun, you shouldn't do that to your kids because it sits down deep in a kid's heart. And it will come out later, and your kid will all of a sudden start to have all these different issues in their life because they're frustrated, and then they get disciplined. And then they get disciplined. But they've been provoked to that. Today, there's a whole generation that is growing up who is exasperated against their dads. They cannot think of a father without thinking uh, of something in a negative way. When I talked about God being a father, so many of these kids have a hard time viewing, oh, well, what's that like? My father's a jerk. My father's a moron. How can I view our heavenly father in a godly way? Now, God is a good dad. He's not like your dad if your dad's been crazy. But it's hard to convince kids of that when they've been raised with a terrible dad. So you, so you try and teach your kids the good things, who Jesus is, what he has done, and you raise your kids to obey you. Why? So they will have long life in the Lord. You lovingly teach them. You don't exasperate them. In verse 4, he says, Instead, you bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. You see them through their seasons of life one day at a time. And one day they grow up and they get to be your friend or your peer. The relationship becomes reciprocal. That is not when they're teenagers, okay? You're a parent when they're a teenager because teenagers are crazy. They're crazy. I don't know if you've ever met one. No? Okay. Driven behind one. One's been behind you in a car. They're crazy. It is a privilege of dads to bring kids up so they can have a relationship with them as a friendship after they are adults. So, you know, how do you bring these kids up? We're going to talk about that this morning. You know, I spent a lot of time just going through that. Uh, for men and women both, this will entail who you marry. You know, for guys, you know, you can't be like, well, I want a woman who knows how to dance on a pole. You've got you to ask, you know, is she going to be a good mom? That's the question. You know, ladies can't be like, well, I want a guy who's got a big monster truck and a loud stereo and can drink a six-pack of beer in like five minutes. 
Okay? You gotta think, is this dude gonna be a good dad? That's the question. And it tells who you're gonna marry and it tells the environment you raise them in. It involves what kind of church you go to. Do they have good examples? It involves your friends. It involves what education they get. Homeschool, private school, public school, Christian schools, whatever. Christian, different kids require different instruction. And you may think you wanna send all of your kids to a certain type of school. Well, you gotta ask, what's gonna work best for them? What's going to work best for them? Because each kid is different. If you want three kids, you've got to figure out how you're going to educate all three of these kids. It includes diet. It includes your love for God. It includes their manners. It does not, you know, and this is a mom and a dad both involved in these decisions. But again, it comes down to the primary responsibility of the father because before God, he is responsible for his family. So today, I'm going to talk mostly about uh, little kids, uh, because a lot of you guys have little kids or you're pregnant. God said, be fruitful and multiply, and Element May has made that their motto, apparently. <laughs> so, so we're going to talk about that. So, so how, how do you do this? So I'm going to give you seven things on how you do this. Okay, if, if you're a dad, listen to these. If you're a single mom, you can put a lot of these into practice as well. Number one, you start when they're little. You start when they're little. Um, I, I'm always like, if my wife and I, we've been trying to have kids for years and years now. If, we, if she ever gets pregnant, I'm going to be reading like Institutes in the Christian Religion to my child in the womb. They're going to come out and be like, Jesus theologian, please. You know, I just, let me argue theology and let's parcel the verbs and, you know, and the Hebrew and the Greek text together. And the kid's going to be like, I hate my dad. <laughs> uh, Proverbs 1.4 tells you that the scriptures are written with a young in mind. 2 Timothy 3.15, Paul tells Timothy that Timothy knew the scriptures from when he was little. And that actually led to his great wisdom. Little kids, I believe, are made for God's word. I believe little kids can do theology. Uh, Jesus' mom, Mary, she's probably junior high age when she is pregnant and has Jesus. And I think that God would create kids with no capacity for him is just crazy talk. Kids can get concepts. Kids just don't parent adult or parent adults. Uh, it should be a privilege for a father or a parent to open their Bible with their kids. Now, the, no pressure, okay, but don't be boring. Okay, don't be boring. Uh, kids have great imagination. Our imagination goes the older we get, right? But kids' imaginations are just great. You read Bible stories and, and you read these stories of the kids and, and let them do certain things as you read them. I mean, when you're reading God, do God voice. Be like, Moses, take your sandals off. You know, and tell you, take your sandals off. You know, and kick their sandals off. So they're like playing with the role and then they get, you know, do, get into it. And your kids, as you go through scripture, they're going to get different stuff than you get out of scripture. I mean, you'll be reading about John the Baptist and you're explaining how he has conned people to repent and he was a great guy and, and all they hear is that John the Baptist ate bugs. Hey, th that's okay. That, that's okay. You know, your kids may end up out in the backyard eating bugs and you're like, what are you doing? And they're like, I'm like John the Baptist. And you'll be like, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, because they get it and they're, and they're thinking through it. You, you let them dress up in characters. Um, we're hitting Esther next. You should read Esther with your kids. Go, go down to the, the thrift store. And, and you should talk about Haman and Mordecai and Esther. You know, and let them go down and like get some clothes. Let them dress up. And so you read the story and you're like, you know, you get a little girl, let her, Esther, prom queen. You know, let them, let them get into it because they have much imagination. So you let them run with it. Hey, uh, you know, we're going to... Talk about like Zac. You remember the guy Zacchaeus, little short guy. This is great too. You know, it, Jesus is coming. He climbs up in a tree. Let him climb on your dining room table and be like, "Where's Jesus?" Yeah, you're like Zacchaeus. Give him that. Anything, it, anything. It, it's it's great. 
Uh, you know, girl, girls love a lot of the stories that you know about, oh, God cares for us. Boys love carnage and bloodshed. Okay, so, so read, them, read them like the Old Testament book of Judges. You know, everybody's getting something cut off in that book, so it's good. I, I think there, there are three great conversations you can have with, with your kids growing up. The first conversation uh, is, is about Jesus, and I think that's the best one to have. Uh, I think another one you have when they grow up is the birds and the bees. I don't know why they call it the birds and the bees. I always thought it should be called like rabbits and dogs, but birds and the bees, okay, birds and the bees. And then the third one, this is the one you have with boys. This is what we have with boys. Uh, it's, it's, it's the most amazing conversation in the world, about five or six years old, and entails a magical substance that few have been able to explain its mesmerizing effects on men, and it's called duct tape. Okay? <laughs> and, this, and this all leads into also dress, dressing up. I mean, duct tape is amazing. I think duct, duct tape comes from like the age of legends. You know, where it's, it's every young boy's dream. If you haven't had the talk with your boys yet, and they're like over five or six, repent. Take them to Home Depot, have a talk about duct tape. Uh, you know, it's like uh, half the cars on the road today are held together by duct tape. And if you're, if you're a criminal and you need to rob a bank and you don't know how to tie a knot, duct tape. If you're a cop, you forget your cuffs at home, you don't know what to, duct tape. I got some, I got some, got some pictures for you here. Uh, if you're like, hey, I need to go to the baptisms and I forgot a lawn chair, duct tape. All right? It was like, oh, oh, I, I rode my bike to school and I forgot my bike lock. Duct tape. <laughs> I got in a car accident. It's my fault. I don't have insurance. Duct tape. Oh, I don't want my kid running over the house because they're crazy. <laughs> Duct tape. Right now, on your notes... On your notes this morning, and at the very end of them, I put a book that you guys can download. It's called, it's called Pastor Dad. Uh, it's by a guy named Mark Driscoll. Okay? It's, it's a great book. I think you should read it. But he, but he talks about going to the store, and he tells his kid, you know, we're going to go to the store, and if you're really good, I'll get you something. And his kid's like, what? And his dad goes, duct tape. And he goes, this kid just starts crying. He's like, thank you, Daddy. <laughs> so he gets home with his duct tape in his backyard, and he's finding all these sticks, and he's wrapping them up in, in duct tape, and he's making a little belt, and he's putting his belt down the back of his shirt. He's like, he's like I'm making swords. See, duct tape, it's amazing stuff. He says they go to the, go to the video store, and, and he's got this big one down his back, and this guy in the video store is, what's that? And he's like, it's a sword. So why do you got that? It's for killing bad guys. Why do you have it in the video store? In case there's bad guys. <laughs> it's amazing. So what you do, you know, get, get them duct tape. Let, let them make belts and swords and stuff. And then let them slay you as Goliath. We're going to play David and Goliath. And, oh, you got me. Oh. And you ever think, oh, that's so terrible. You're teaching little boys how to be violent. No, little boys are violent. Okay, You don't have to teach them how to be violent. Hot dogs turn into gun dogs. If you're sitting next to a little kid and they're eating potato chips, they're going to be like looking at you and the chip and they'll whack it on the table and then shank you with it. Because it's like, I got a prison ship right here. Uh. And they go at you. See, I told you we have some fun with this, right? Okay, all right. With little boys, you don't destroy their masculinity. You show them how to use it right. Yes, you were made a certain way. And that thing is to stop the bad guys and protect the princesses. That's why God made you the way that he did. It's biblical. Jesus slew the dragon and protected his bride. And I believe if boys understood that and understood this rambunctiousness they have within them, we'd have a much better world. Like, you don't attack your mom or your sister or the old guy walking on the sidewalk with his dog. You know, you attack the bad guys. That's who you, who you go and you get. 
And again, I think if little boys got that, you know, they were able to work that out when they're young, then, the, then they wouldn't become violent because they, they would understand their masculinity. I think little boys who learn how to do that in a proper way, you know, where it is proper, are much more inclined to become men who understand God their father better. So you don't take away their imagination. They need to understand God. Walking on water, you know, they got to imagine Take them to a pool. Boom. Oh, so you can't do it. So you're not God. Remember that the rest of your life. You know, there you go. <laughs> it's perfect. It's wonderful. They, they have imagination, you know, virgin birth, uh, all that. Uh, I personally, uh, let them listen to kids' worship music. Uh, I personally don't like it because it's all like little kids going, nah, but they love it. it it's amazing. I, about a year and a half ago, Patty was in the back and she's playing this song. And in the middle of the song, it goes like, Sharing is the Bible way. You know, and I'm like, and like, seriously, I couldn't get this song out of my head. That's why I hate kids' worship music. I'm like, ah, it's terrible. And then it's a month and a half later, and somebody asked me for some help. And I'm like, huh, and I hear this song. Sharing is the Bible way. And I'm like, wah. So I shared, you know, because the song's there. Most, listen to it. Most of the little kids' worship songs are actually scripture, and they learn scripture. I think you can watch old school videos with them, or even new school videos, whatever, but videos are okay. Uh, Hanna-Barbera, the guys that made Scooby-Doo when it was good, right? They, 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 they made this thing called like, Greatest Adventures, and it's all about Bible stories. And it's amazing, because it's like people get chopped up. They don't like pan. It's not like, here comes the rock at Goliath's head. It's not like, pan away. It's like, boom, and down goes. It's amazing. <laughs> Amazing stuff. You watch other videos, they try and, like Veggie Tales. I'm not anti Veggie Tales, but they change things all the time. It's like the story of David and Bathsheba. You know, David goes and he, and he has sex with Bathsheba and kills her husband, right? Well, in Veggie Tales, uh, David steals a rubber ducky. And unless rubber ducky is like Hebrew for Bathsheba, he didn't steal a rubber ducky. That's not what happened. Veggie Tales are, are not bad. But then you should explain to them, you know, kind of what really happened. David saw a woman, he killed her husband so he could have her. And kids will be like, that's bad because they naturally will get that. Yes, that's bad. Taking a guy's wife, sticking him in a hole, that's a bad thing. So number two is you tell your kids the truth. You tell your kids the truth. You know, it wasn't a rubber ducky. If someone tries to kill me and take mommy, run them through. Okay? <laughs> some, some kids, because of how Jesus has been portrayed, they think Jesus is just a wuss, that Jesus never did anything. You know, they, they like the Old Testament. They like Paul because Paul could take a beating. You know, but, but when they meet, meet Jesus, it's like, oh, Jesus, well, he's like Mr. Rogers, and he wears flowers in his hair, and he rides a trolley. No, you know what? Jesus went to the cross. Jesus didn't whine or cry out. When Jesus comes back, he's coming back with a sword. It'd be like a lawnmower going through the nations, and it's not going to go well for everyone. Batman, Superman, Goliath. Nobody can stand up to Jesus. And, oh, wow, that, that sounds pretty crazy. Yeah, that's why we repent. Because we're not going to win the fight. And little kids are like, oh. And they get that. They understand that. Little girls, again, see God as more someone who cares. They're very, God's very tender to his children. She's talking about God being a shepherd and being God's flock. You be creative. You, you break these things out. Don't do family lectures. Sit down, children. Let me preach at you. You make God's word a pleasure. The Old Testament says that, that Scripture should be like eating honey. Like eating honey. So uh, you start when they're little. You tell your kids the truth. Number three, give your kids reasonable memory verses. You know what that means? You need to be reading scripture so you can find reasonable memory verses for your kids. Uh, do Bible questions with your kids. Uh, you know, you can even go buy them or get them on the internet. They're free, okay? Just go, go get some. Do Bible Jeopardy with your kids. Get prizes. Hand things out. You know, when, you're, when they're really little, ask them questions that are like, okay, so how many gods are there? One, yay, prize, ding, right there. See how easy it is when they're little? As they get older, was, you know, you're like, uh, name three of the Ten Commandments. 
then they can name three. Like, boom, yay, prize. You know, when they get a little bit older, was Jesus God or was he man? Both. Ding. There you go. Wonderful. As they get like maybe the end of high school, like name 12 names for God in scripture. Ding. You know, name three places swords appear in scripture. <laughs> Ding. You, know, you, you have fun. You teach them. You train them to understand scripture. Number four, you live in such a way that your child can imitate you. You be a blessing. Proverbs fourteen twenty six says, He who fears the Lord has, is a, has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 7 says, The righteous man leads a blameless life. Blessed are his children after him. If you want your kid to honor you, you know what you need to be? Honorable. Honorable. You want your kids to say, My dad loves God. My dad works hard. My dad loves my mom. I want to be like my dad. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Why do you imitate their faith? So you can have their way of life. How they lived, how they loved God, what they did. If a dad uh, has his Bible open, if a dad is praying, if a dad is confessing of sin, if his dad is humble, then the kids learn that that is normal. That's normal. If a dad's cussing out his neighbors and won't go to church and won't pray with his kids, they think that's normal. Little girls who are ladylike, let them be ladylike. You know, don't, don't say, oh, you know, your, your brother's too violent and you're too ladylike. Let them be ladylike. You know, enjoy that. L- little girls and girls who get older who are very feminine gets lots of stuff given to them. Guys go out of their ways for little girls who, or girls who are very feminine. Now, I have these friends. Her name Pam and Jim Rowan, and they have this little girl, and, and her name's Janet. We call her Banana. And we go on vacation with them, and a couple years ago, we're all going somewhere. She's the last one in the house. I'm coming out of this room, and she stands at the top of the stairs like this. And I go, Janet, what are you doing? She goes, I'm waiting for an escort. <laughs> and I go, she grabs my arm. I go, you know, whether it's dad or brother, and you teach a little boy, you escort the little girls. You open the door for them. You take care of them, you, and you let the little girls be Girly, Let your boys be boys and let your girls be girls. Take your daughters out to eat. Take your boys to Home Depot or the dump. You know, they like that. <laughs> and I will tell you, specifically for boys, little boys need to see their dads pray, need to see their dads read scripture, so they understand that that is something that men do and not just women. Like, oh, women go to church and do Bible studies. Men sit in the garage, watch TV, and drink beer. You know, that's, that's not what they need to know. You'd be an example for the boys and someone like you want your daughters to marry. That's what you are. And have your daughters say, I want someone like my dad because I want to be treated like my mom. Okay? Uh, number five, teach through uh, natural life course events. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, uh, this entails what's called the Shema, one of Israel's uh, greatest prayers. But in verse 7, it talks about God's decrees and says, Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. It means you talk about these things all the time through all the courses of life. Jesus was a teacher who taught through natural life course events. As things happened, he used those to teach his disciples. I got a friend, his name's Luke, asked me questions all the time, and I get to explain to Luke how life works job, work, life, paying bills. You talk to your kids about everything. I was actually talking to uh, somebody in my office this week, and we were talking about these type of things and how sometimes his, his, they're doing something his daughter kind of gets in the way. And I go, but, but she's not in the way. I said, what you want to do is if you're there, she's like, I was working on a light switch. So we're going to light switch last week. And I said, when she comes up, don't just go, oh, I'll, I'll be with you in a second. Go, hey, you want to know what I'm doing? 
And she'll probably be like, yeah. So you say, well, this is electricity. We don't want to touch it because we'd die. Okay, so you, you got to be careful. And then we're going to put this new light switch in so we can have light because years and years ago, there, there weren't light in homes at night. People had to go to bed really early, and you like staying up late, right? Yeah. So, you know, so, and so we turn the lights, and then we can spend more time together as a family because God called me as dad to take care of you. And he goes, it's a good idea. And I go, yeah. He's, he's actually paying bills. And, you know, a little girl walks up, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'll be with you in a minute. Talk to her about paying bills. Talk to your boys about paying bills. You know, we, we pay these bills because, you know, we, we have to keep the lights on. So, like the lights, which I was just changing, we've got to keep the lights on. Keep a roof over our heads so we have a place to sleep. Uh, you know, water so you can take a shower and daddy can take a shower and not smell. You know, we, uh, it, it's for gas, you know, not just what daddy does on Saturday night, but, you know. <laughs> So the house can stay warm. And, and you, I do all of this so that you guys are taken care of because God calls me as a dad to take care of you. Oh, and they get to understand, you know, why, what is the dad supposed to do? What's that look like? And so you use all of it. I guarantee you drive down a road long enough with a kid in the car, they're going to notice a homeless guy on the side of the road. And they're going to say, what's up with that guy? You're going to say, well, you know, they want your college fund to buy beer. <laughs> no, no. I'm, you know, you, and you talk to it. You say, hey, let's pray for that guy. You know, and, 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 you, and you walk through natural life course events and, and things like that. Number six, I've got to get going. Sorry, I'm just talking a long time. Uh, number six, pray, pray, pray. Pray with your kids and for your kids. Uh, Job 1.5 says that, that Job always prayed for his kids. He sacrificed for his kids. He loved his kids. So when your kids see you pray, they will learn that it is normal and they will do it naturally. So pray in front of your kids. Number seven, if your kids do something wrong and they repent, forgive them. Forgive them. Don't keep bringing it up. Bitterness and grudges are terrible for a marriage and they're terrible for your kids. This will exacerbate them and they will think there is no true forgiveness. Now, I'm going to show you a clip. I, I saw this last year. I've been waiting to show it to you. Okay? Uh, i got to tell you, it's, it's brought to you by MajorLeagueBaseball.com. So I have the... I can say that and now I can show it because I said that. Woo. Okay, here you go. And he reaches and he just hugs her. He's like, oh, it's okay. He's probably the rest of his life going, I could have had a ball. You know, but he, you do that. You hug them. You love them. And you move on. Okay. So practical implications of this for you and I. As we get older, we are supposed to become more mature and subsequently, I believe, more flexible. I told you a couple of weeks ago that the Spirit of God in our hearts, when we truly follow the Spirit, He makes us more flexible people. Practically, this means that our, our churches, and especially Element, must always be organized around what is best for our future and not necessarily how we did it in the past. For Element, this means as, as a church, we will always try and live for our future, your kids' future, not just our past. If your kids hit 20 years old and there's some crazy music playing on the radio and we hate it, 
we will still probably play that music because it'll reach them and their friends, and that's who we want to reach. And if you like something different, you go buy it and listen to it all week, then come and worship God as a family. I believe the quicker I can get you from a Timothy, a young man, to a Paul, a man that leads others, the better off that we're going to be. Uh, we do childcare at Element up to age 11 or 12 years old on Sunday mornings. We do not do junior high. We do not do high school. People have asked me why a lot. Why? We want your kids to go to church. We want your kids uh, to, to be with you, to be with everybody. We believe that six-year-olds should be hanging out with 60-year-olds. The whole church doing things together. And if your kids can't even handle church before, before 11 years of age, bring them in. Bring them in. The more lines of demarcations between people, the harder it becomes, the harder connections become. And again, we want those 6 and 60-year-olds hanging out together, married people, single people, everyone together because the church is not a business. It is not like a mall with different departments. We are a family. And we all come together to help raise everybody's kids together, together. Uh, you know, we do have a youth program, and, and that's not a bad thing, but we never want fathers just dropping their kids off thinking it's someone else's job to take care of their kids because it's not. Uh, it's yours. And as a parent, you should always use the church just as a supplement. It will cross the line the day that you drop off your kids and let someone like me teach them without you teaching them. You need to be the one that teaches them. Um, for single guys uh, if, who want to be a dad someday, I think the best place for you to serve is the nursery or the preschool. You've got 20-something dudes taking care of babies and teaching preschool. I think that would be awesome. You will learn so much from kids. You'll learn how to be a better dad when you have a kid yourself. You'll be discipled by these kids. I mean, where else in the world will an unmarried guy get an opportunity to play with and hold babies and not get arrested? We do have a background check, so if you're not going to pass it, don't even ask about it, okay? But if you, yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you, guys, I think it's almost like an aphrodisiac for some girls. You know, young godly women, and they're working in the nursery or the preschool, and you're working with them with kids, front of the line front of the line <laughs> and I'll also say this guys uh, when you are looking to get married do not overlook single moms uh, the Bible says take care of widows and orphans I believe godly men are all about redemption and so coming in and, and taking kids you know that need a dad and giving them a dad it may be harder than some other people have it but don't overlook it because God may be calling you to that Jesus' mom, essentially, when it first started, she kind of was a single mom. And Joseph stepped in, and he loved Mary, and he raised Jesus. Just so happens that uh, Jesus happened to be God. But, you know, but our God, essentially, was adopted, just like God adopts us as his children into his family. Now, let me ask you a question. Uh, how many of you, don't raise your hands. Okay, Just think about this. How many of you had parents in your life that taught you and showed you all those things that we talked about this morning? Okay, Just think about that. Now, how many of you wish your parents would have? Now, don't let your kids be the same way that you are. Don't let your kids go, oh, I wish my parents would have done this for me. Oh, I wish this would have happened. Do that for your kids. It may be very awkward for you, but your kids aren't going to care. Your kids are only going to see that you're talking them through Scripture, that you're, you're praying with them, that you're loving them, that you're spending time with them, that you're explaining natural life course events, that you're doing all of these things with them. That's what they're going to see. Even if you think you're terrible at it, they're going to think you're great because you're their parent and they love you. Uh, I will tell you this, if you do not know God as your father this morning, you need to know him. You get to bow down and interact with him and Jesus will impact your life in very practical ways and he will change you. Uh, so if you want to be a person or a dad that can teach and love, you need to read the scriptures, you need to know Jesus. If you need help, you can talk to one of the deacons or elders or, or me and we'll spend some time with you and help you figure out how to do that. You need to know God as he has revealed himself in scripture as a dad and a father. 
This is one of the reasons we come to Him every single week together and we worship Him together. Because the better that we know our dad, the more uh, we will be loving as people, I think the better children, uh, and, and the better parents that we will be in the long run by loving our dad who loves us deeply. This morning, uh, I invite you guys to come to communion. Communion is the place where we remember that God the Father, our Father, sent His Son to die for you and I so we can be redeemed. So you take that cracker and you break it like, his body was, like Jesus' body was broken for us. You dip it in the wine or the grape juice, which represents His blood that was shed for us so that we can be redeemed, so that our hearts can be made new, so we can have a relationship with our Father again, so we can know how we are supposed to live. Uh, we're going to worship God through song. The band's going to come up. Do a couple songs and they invite you to sing along with them as they do. Take some moments maybe to pray and maybe, maybe say, you know, God, I haven't done it right up to this point, but I really want to. So teach me. Teach me how to step outside of my comfort zone and teach my kids. Maybe you grew up and you didn't have a dad that was like this very well. And, and it's kind of maybe affected you. Well, pray to God and teach and ask God to reveal himself to you as the father that he is so you can under your, understand yourself as a child, fully loved, fully loved. Uh, we are going to worship God through prayer. And again, there will be deacons and elders in the back to pray with you if you guys need prayer for anything. Again, the first place and the best place to start is coming to know Jesus, and they'd love to talk to you about that. But if you need some other help, uh, they'd love to talk to you about that as well. Uh, we're going to worship God through giving. There's offering boxes on the sidewall and in the back, and we give because God gave so much to us, and giving is simply part of our worship. And so we give you the opportunity every week to give, and we're going to worship God through fellowship. There's a bunch of food and coffee and stuff in the back. And again, we want you guys to get together. Uh, you know, part of worship is community building, and that means you guys need to actually know each other. So we want you guys to know each other. And again, hopefully you'll find some friends. Maybe you'll find some people in the same places in life that you are, and you can help each other in these ways, helping to raise each other's kids, helping to, to love each other in a way, and help each other to understand better the love of God, our Father, for us as his kids. God is a good dad. He is a good dad. And he longs to teach us and live and walk with us through every uh, part of life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for being a good dad, uh, for loving us the way that you do and longing to raise and discipline us as the people that we need to be. God, quite frankly, uh, we are people who don't like discipline very much. And when you you discipline us. It's very hard for us. Help us to be those that understand the necessity for it and how you are growing us into those we need to be. Father, for the dads in this room, I ask that you would touch their hearts and that your spirit would move deeply within them and you would excite them for the prospect of the type of fathers they can become. That, God, it is not something out of reach. It is simply something that you call us to. And you will gift us and strengthen us to be the dads that we need to be. God, for the young men in this room who aren't fathers yet, but someday will be. I ask one day that when they look down at their newborn baby, that this morning in this place, they would remember the things that you said to them. And that they would long to be a good dad so their kids would see you and their father. God, for the many of us in this room who didn't have good dads, I ask that you would change our perception so we can truly understand you as our father and desire you and like you and want to be like you. We thank you for being so good even when we are not. 
and for loving us when we are unlovely and calling us your children when we are so unworthy, adopting us into your family and taking care of us. I ask that we learn how to live that out correctly in our lives. Amen.